Welcome to Inside Pediatrics, a podcast brought to you by Children's Hospital of Alabama in Birmingham. I'm Tiffany Kazarowski. September is Childhood Cancer and Sickle Cell Awareness Month, and today we're talking to Dr. Kim Whalen, who's the Interim Division Director of Pediatric Hematology and Oncology at UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and she is Medical Director of the TLC Clinic, which is Taking on Life After Cancer Clinic here at Children's. In both of these roles, she plays an integral part in the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders, which is a partnership between children Children's of Alabama, the Division of Pediatric Hematology and Oncology, and the Comprehensive Cancer Center at UAB. So welcome, Dr. Whalen. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's talk about the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders and an overview. Um, what is the impact that our center right here in Birmingham has on the population in general and specifically in Alabama? So the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders is comprised of over 300 physicians, nurses, social workers, child life specialists, uh, scientists who are all working together to improve outcomes for children who are diagnosed with cancer or children who suffer from serious blood disorders like sickle cell disease or aplastic anemia. And the goal of all of the members of the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders is is to provide the best possible care Mm -hmm. and contribute to science that moves the fields forward to provide better cures for our children who are facing these diseases. We treat the majority of patients who are diagnosed with cancer or a serious blood disorder in the state of Alabama. Right. In terms of cancer, about 200 children are diagnosed with cancer every year in the state of Alabama, and the majority of those are treated right here in Birmingham at Children's of Alabama. We also treat children from neighboring states, Mm -hmm. so the Panhandle of Florida, Mississippi, um, depending on where they live in Georgia or Tennessee, they may end up coming here for care also. And then from a sickle cell standpoint, it is the most common um, genetic blood disorder that we see Mm -hmm. in, um, in the pediatric population and is the number one cause of strokes in children. And we treat a large population here, but we also go out into their communities. So we have offsite clinics in um, Montgomery, in Opelika, and in Tuscaloosa, because we know it's hard sometimes to travel several hours to get to children's. Right. We're not a huge state, but, you know, when you're talking about taking off of work for three to four hours to try to come up for an appointment. Exactly. It It can be a burden and can impact the ability to provide really good care. And it also allows us to um, to help teach. So our attending physicians who are caring uh, at these off-site sickle cell clinics will also teach medical students in those communities or family practice residents in those communities. So helping to improve care that way too. Absolutely. And one thing we had talked about earlier is that you hear so much about just cancer in general um, and pediatric cancer it's it's pretty scary and you know you think about the risks these days are there more risks these days or are there more kids diagnosed with cancer these days well maybe not necessarily but people are talking about healthcare more they're talking about their own health and their own well-being more than they used to back in the 50s 60s 70s i agree and i think that we as a population have come to learn more about uh, diseases like childhood cancer or like sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. 
um, one of my colleagues, Dr. Howard, will speak of when he was a little boy growing up in North Carolina that people thought cancer was contagious. So no one would talk about it. And as we have learned more about these diseases and increased awareness of them, um, families are telling their stories. Um, They're telling them to their communities. They're telling Mm -hmm. them on social media. And all of this drives increased awareness, which helps raise the profile of these diseases and can lead to improved funding, which ultimately is what we need for better cures. That's right. Better research, more research to try to find those cures. Exactly. And also speaking about our center and about Dr. Howard and and, and your the team that you're part of, we were one of the founding members of the Children's Oncology Group, which is really fascinating right here in Birmingham. Exactly. So the Children's Oncology Group is a compilation of all of the centers in the country and also other countries throughout the world, um, like Canada, that treat children with cancer. And one of the really neat things about Children's Oncology Group is that it allows us to all band together and share information and work together across um, the globe to improve outcomes uh, mm-hmm. for children. And it allows patients, whether they are diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is the most common type of uh, childhood cancer that we see, mm-hmm. if they're diagnosed with um, ALL in Alabama, they're offered the same opportunities to participate in, in research trials as they would be if they were diagnosed in California or New York or Kansas. So that group allows for sharing of knowledge. So you're learning from people elsewhere who have developed new therapies and new ways of treatment. But then our our folks here at the University of Alabama at Birmingham are able to share their research. Exactly. And um, besides being one of the founding members of Children's Oncology Group, uh, throughout the years, our um, physicians here have played critical leadership roles in Children's Oncology Group. So they have been very important in um, helping move the science forward. Wow, that's a nice feather in our cap. (laughs) Let's delve into a few other things that are going on research-wise right here in Birmingham. Absolutely. Um, When we think of our mission as a center, we think of kind of three primary pillars. One is research to be able to to move the field forward. The other is patient care, Mm -hmm. which uh, includes a lot of program development. And then the last one is education, to be able to share the knowledge that we are learning about and kind of raise the next generation of uh, pediatric oncology uh, physicians and nurse practitioners and nurses right here in Birmingham at Children's of Alabama, there are several really groundbreaking research efforts going on. My colleague, Dr. Greg Friedman, is the principal investigator of a new study that looks at taking a virus that you can find and changing the virus and using it to be able to attack difficult-to-treat brain tumors in children. And over the course of more than a year in which this phase one trial has been going on, he has treated patients from across the country and from outside the United States who have Mm -hmm. come here to seek these groundbreaking treatments. And the early results are very promising. And this type of viral therapy, which also harnesses the immune system to be able to go in and attack um, these challenging cancers, uh, now he's starting to look, at least in the lab, about ways to spread that out and 
potentially use this in different types of childhood cancers. Right, and not just the one that's part of the the Exactly, trial. exactly. Okay. Um, in other types of research that are going on here, Dr. Fred Goldman is the head of our bone marrow transplant unit, and he is very involved in trying to find new um, gene therapies mm-hmm. that could be used to treat um, bone marrow failure syndromes, um, severe immunodeficiencies, or eventually be able to cure sickle cell disease one day. And when you talk about gene therapies... What do you mean by that? So in sickle cell disease, the disease comes about because of one change in the genes, the building blocks of um, the red blood cells. Mm -hmm. And if they can figure out a way to go in and change that back to Mm -hmm. the way it should be, then that would correct. Okay. Basically turn off the disease. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Wonderful. And then uh, another groundbreaking therapy, CAR T-cell. We've heard a little buzz about this lately here at Children's. Right. So CAR T-cell, which stands for Chimeric Antigen Receptor T-cell, is a groundbreaking therapy that's been used in children who have leukemias, which have really failed all other standard treatments. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes these are patients who have relapsed after very intensive chemotherapy and after uh, bone marrow transplants. In the past, we have had to send these uh, children and families to different centers across the United States to be able to uh, receive these potentially life-curing treatments. But over the past year, we've been able to offer these CAR T-cell therapies here at Children's. We've had two patients who have gone through so far, Mm -hmm. and um, we're very hopeful about the promise of CAR T-cells. There is still a lot to be learned about them, and it is definitely not a guarantee of cure. But for a subset of patients who receive this therapy, uh, it does lead to cure. Wow, that's amazing. So yet another way of helping the body to then maybe shut off or attack the cancer. It harnesses the immune system to be able to go in and attack the foreign cells, which are the cancer cells in the body. There are there are so many different things that you guys are working on, developmental therapeutics. You've got uh, family-centered care, Hope and Cope. Let's, let's touch on a few of these programs. Developmental Therapeutics is a program here at the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders, which allows patients and families with very challenging uh, cancers, cancers that oftentimes have failed to respond to the standard treatments, to participate in trials which are offering access to the newest uh, drugs out there. And we are one of only 19 centers throughout the country that are uh, members of Children's Oncology Group Phase 1 and 2 Consortium, again, looking at those newest uh, studies and newest drugs to hopefully improve outcomes for patients with challenging cancers. Wow, that's great. Family-centered care. Let's talk a little bit about that. That has been a buzz phrase over the last few years here at our hospital. Family-centered care really 
emphasizes the partnership between the patient, the parent, and the medical care team. So what we want to make sure with family-centered care is that families feel like their voice is definitely being heard and that they are participating in making decisions that impact their child's life and their life as a family. So we have child life specialists, we have school liaisons, we have social workers, pastoral care, all of which will uh, work together to make sure all the needs of the family and the patient are being met. It's, it's a lot of people rallying around to customize care for that child and for that family. Exactly. You know, when all is said and done, that's what this is all about, is providing the best, most appropriate care at that moment in time for the patient and the family that we're serving. Okay, let's talk about Hope and Cope, kind of an extension of that family-centered care. So Hope and Cope provides wraparound psychosocial support Mm -hmm. for our families, both those who are diagnosed with cancer and those who are suffering from um, a serious blood disorder. So with Hope and Cope, we realize the impact that a serious disease has not only on the patient, but may also have on the family as they're um, missing work or may have other siblings at home. With the Hope and Cope program, the goal of that is to make sure that we're doing all we can to support the family as they're dealing with the real life impact of a serious medical diagnosis. We have a, a school reentry program called the STAR program, which really works to help reinsert the the kids back into their school and make sure that the school is doing all they can to help the students succeed as they're able to get back to school after treatment for cancer or as they're dealing with their, their blood disorder. Okay. And then uh, your baby, TLC Clinic, TLC Survivorship Clinic, talk to us about that, taking on life after cancer. So the TLC Clinic has been around now for over 15 years and was really born out of the idea that as our cure rates in childhood cancer have increased, we now stand at 84% of children who are diagnosed with a cancer will be long-term survivors. And so the uh, TLC clinic was really created to help educate the survivors and their families Mm -hmm. about uh, the details of their treatment, their risk for later complications, mm-hmm. some of which could you know, could range from secondary cancers to um, heart disease to um, problems with school functioning. Okay. Um, fertility and, issues. Fertility issues, mm-hmm. absolutely. It all depends on the um, type of treatment that they received, the age at which they were um, treated, and uh, oftentimes we think that probably there's a genetic role that will play into that because mm-hmm. not everybody who gets treated with the same drugs end up having the same complications down the road. But we can empower them to be advocates for themselves and to um, try to live their their most healthy lives moving forward. Right. And to think about the risks and their behaviors and exactly ways that they can kind of maximize their health. And then as um, Dr. Smita Bhatia joined our group a few years back and with her arrival here at UA 
UAB developed the Institute for Cancer Outcomes and Survivorship, we've been able to offer our survivors more opportunities to participate in research studies, which may potentially decrease their risk for some late effects Mm -hmm. of treatment or just add to the general knowledge of why certain people develop these later complications of treatment. It seems like that kind of research is important because it could possibly impact the way you're treating children right now. You're exactly right. So with some types of cancer, we're starting to take that information about what kind of complications survivors face and look at ways in which we could potentially uh, de-escalate their treatment and Mm -hmm. still maintain those good cure rates. And then looking forward, adolescent young adult program, let's talk about that. We recognize that not everybody has seen the same improvements in survival as some of our patients have. And a population which has been particularly vulnerable is what we call the AYA, or adolescent and young adult population. This spans adolescents and young adults ages 15 to 39 who are diagnosed with cancer. And their long-term survival rates has been lower in general, not just here, but across the country. And one of my colleagues, Dr. Julie Wolfson, is uh, very passionate about trying to understand why they haven't seen the same improvements in survival as other younger or older populations have, Mm -hmm. and in figuring out ways to improve their outcomes. And then you are also fellowship director, is that right? I am. (laughs) Within the division. So you you wear a lot of hats. (laughs) I've learned that. So we have six fellows right now in the program? We do. So a fellow is someone who has gone to medical school and then completed three years of general pediatrics training to become a pediatrician and has decided that they want to focus on pediatric hematology and oncology. So they then come to us to get this specialized training. After three years, they graduate from our program. And in some cases, they've gone on and stayed here at um, Children's of Alabama. But we're equally proud of our graduates who are going to other institutions throughout the country and are providing excellent care and oftentimes playing important roles in research or in children's oncology group throughout the nation. You're a parent. I'm a parent. What are some things that you would want parents to know in general about the Alabama Center and about the kind of care and research that's going on here? As a parent, I really appreciate what Children's of Alabama and the Alabama Center for Childhood Cancer and Blood Disorders offers. I think one of the most important things is that people realize, first of all, that as scary as these diagnoses can be, there is so much research that is going on and so much um, hope out there. Right. I really feel like things have changed. I came here as a fellow in 2003, so over the past 15 years, have really been able to see firsthand how much the science has changed and how much that's impacting the care that we're delivering to these patients and families 
families and some things Mm -hmm. which were very challenging to treat 15 years ago, the outlook may be much better now. And then it's important to me that they realize that we are their partners in this journey from day one all the way through. When their treatment ends, our partnership does not end. We will continue to be there to support them as a family, support um, support their child as they age. Right. Um, one of the best things about my job from a survivorship standpoint is to be able to see kids and families coming back years later as they are getting ready to go off to college or getting ready to get married. Right. And it really kind of brings full circle everything that we that we work for. That's right. And the final thing is just for families to be aware of all of the resources and opportunities right here at Children's of Alabama. I think that being treated in uh, your local children's hospital has a lot of advantages. So um, your community can support you more. Our school reentry program can work closely with your child's school, wherever they may be throughout the state. Our social workers um, will work tirelessly to make sure that all of the support that Alabama laws provide for the families that we're able to deliver on. A lot of families in Alabama are devoted to awareness and helping with research in the best way that they can, which is to help raise money. So there are so many different grassroots efforts that are going on, especially right now in the month of September, to help provide funding to the center. Childhood cancer receives 4% of national government funding through the National Cancer Institute. And for diseases like sickle cell or more rare bone marrow failure um, syndromes, the funding is even less. And so the efforts of these families to really raise awareness and raise funds is priceless. It's because of their support and their actions that so many of these programs that I've spoken about have been able to come into existence. Right, to continue. And so we are so grateful for the amazing community support that we have in so much awe of these families who really feel like they want to change the way the world looks at cancer and blood disorders. We talked about the efforts, lots of things going on. People can go to www.childrensal.org forward slash committed to a cure to find out more information about all of the events and ways that they can get involved this month. Thank you so much, Dr. Whalen, for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Inside Pediatrics. More podcasts like this one can be found at childrensal.org forward slash inside pediatrics.